Hi and welcome to the Curious Coaches Club. In this week's episode I'm going to be speaking to Paul Gray. Paul is one of the leading youth coaches in England. He's worked in professional football for over 10 years and he's recently made a move abroad to Norway. We're going to be talking about what he looks for when recruiting players into the foundation phase, what he does to develop them and why he's made the move to Norway. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Paul. Thanks a lot for agreeing to come on the podcast. No problem. Uh, really, really looking forward to, to having a good chat, John. Good. So you're currently in Bodo, is that right? The place? Yeah, uh, Budaglimt, that's how you pronounce it. I've been, uh, I've been doing Norwegian lessons. So yeah, Buda is how you pronounce it. Buda, right. Okay. And just um, for those people who don't know, where, whereabouts is it in Scandinavia in Norway. Yes, um, North Norway. So, actually, in in the Arctic Circle. Um, wow. So it's in the in the county of Nordland. Um, so yeah, we're, we're we're pretty high up. Yeah, we are actually in the Arctic Circle. So. And what's pretty, the temperature been like today? Today it is about. It says it's minus two officially. Okay. But it feels like about minus nine. Um, we're on the coast, so there's there's usually a bit of a wind here. Um, when it's windy, it gets very, very cold. I can imagine. I can imagine. Good job you've got that beard to keep you warm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're currently you're currently in Norway. How how is your journey taking you to this place? What what's how did it start your your coaching career? How did it begin, and how have you how have you developed it to to end up in Norway? Yeah, so I think I was thinking about this um, earlier when I was preparing for for our little conversation, and my probably coaching teaching journey started quite early. Um, it was probably mid mid to late teens um obviously as a, as a young as a young boy i was always obsessed with football and, and sport and playing it and and yeah. really active um and i think i was early doors i think i was heavily influenced by my mum who was was pretty sporty she played a, a lot of netball i think she played netball at a decent level and was, and was pretty active and she was actually the school games captain uh, and she spoke about that a lot we went i went to the same school as my mum and and it became a bit of an obsession of mine. Um, we were we were a good sporting year at my school, and um, there was a bit of competition as to when we got into the fifth year, into the final year of school, who was going to be the sports captain. And 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 luckily, there was probably about seven or eight candidates. And luckily, it was me that got to do it. Um, so I became the the games captain, which was a pretty big thing, particularly in our year, and, and a pretty big thing in my family because I yeah. wanted to, to kind of do what my mum had done. So that involved coaching the the other year's football at dinner time. So that's probably when I started my first official coaching, um, you know, as a young 15, 16-year-old. Um, and, uh, you know, when you're at school, you go on um, and you you do work placements. Um, yeah. Mine was always in a leisure centre doing coaching activities or it was in a, a primary school helping teachers. And that's kind of where it all started, really. So 
probably from being a teenager, I've always wanted to coach and teach and, you know, and, and help young people along the way, really. So, yeah, that's where, that's where it all started. And I think <laughs> after I'd left, that continued, really, throughout college, as a well, sixth form college, I carried on playing and, and, and doing a bit of coaching. Yeah. Um, I, I started work quite young for Blackburn Rovers in the community and, and did a little bit of community coaching for Blackburn. And, and, and I helped out with the local grassroots club with their young players while still, you know, playing a little bit of amateur football. And it was just something that I really enjoyed doing. Um, and then it was probably a bit of a, a life te- life-changing moment, really, that, that really probably led to me taking coaching and teaching a little bit more seriously. Um, my, my dad actually had a, a heart attack when I was about 25, 26 years old. Right. Um, he survived. He's, he's all right now. And But I was the first person. He, he actually rang an ambulance, but then he rang me straight after. Uh, and I jumped in the car and I, I was kind of the first person on the scene. I got there before the ambulance. And, and that was a pretty traumatic night that night. Um, yeah. But when he had all the um, tubes and things attached to him, he actually said to me, because at the time I was, I was, I was just working for him in the family business. Um, you know, I'd done that for two or three years. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do at university and, and I decided to take a year and not go to university. And I ended up just falling into working for the family business. And actually on, in that hospital bed, he said to me, go and do what you really want to do. Go and do something where you're going to get up every morning and, and, and love what you're doing. And, uh, you know, he said, doing this, what, what I do, I can tell it doesn't float your boat. You need to go and do something that you really want to do. So that was kind of the moment that kind of really sprung me into action, really. And I thought, do you know yeah. what? I, I need, this is this is what I love. I love football. I, I love teaching. I love coaching. So I went and worked out in America for a year. Um, took the plunge and applied, and, and and I got a job working for MLS camps. Amazing year, uh, you know, and that really confirmed to me that that this is what I wanted to do. I, you know, I wanted to coach, and you know, I wanted to make a career out of it. So came back to. I actually initially thought I wanted to work out in America I loved it that much yeah. um, but everyone told me that I, that I needed a degree and that I should get some education and and to get a job in in the US you needed a you needed a, a at least a bachelor's degree if not a master's degree so yeah I decided to come home back home to to the UK and I enrolled at, at the University of Central Lancashire I lived in Preston um, did a degree and alongside that started just doing as much coaching as I possibly could. So got a job working for Man United soccer schools, um, took a team at, at Preston North End girls. So I, you know, I started with an under 10 team at Preston North End girls, got a job working in the development center for what was then Preston North End center of excellence. So I just filled my time with, with as much coaching as possible alongside my degree. And yeah, so that, that obviously helped and made me a better coach and um 
didn't really get the opportunity that I thought I deserved at the time at, at Preston North End Centre of Excellence. Um, that led me to to try something else, and I ended up going to Accrington Stanley um, as the part-time under-11 coach. Okay. Um, you know, that got me my foot in the door in, in actual what is now academy football, but at the time it was Centre of Excellence football. And I think the timing was, was pretty good, to be honest. Just at that time, obviously the EPPP had come in and, and clubs changed from Centre of Excellences to academies and, yeah. and they needed more full-time staff. And I think it was just a case of right place, right time for me at Accrington. I, I'd by then finished my, my degree and I'd gone on to do a PGCE, uh, a primary school teaching PGCE. Okay. But that was only part time, so I was, you know, I was really lucky. I could go in and I could do extra at Accrington. So I was in and around the under eighteen team. I was in and around the first team, and just going in for, you know, not not being paid anything extra, just being around it and seeing what went on and. That then led to a, a full-time position as the as the lead foundation phase coach at Accrington, which which was a, a challenge and you know you know some real difficult times, but some amazing times and some amazing experiences. And that was kind of right at the beginning of the academy journey. And I think I saw maybe four different academy managers in that time, and four different first team managers. And yeah, so it, it was interesting. You know, there was at one point where me and Dave Fitzgerald, who was the lead YDP coach, we were we were like acting academy managers at one point. <laughs> so wow. yeah, it, you know it, it, that was an interesting time, and um, that then led me on to, to to Blackpool. Blackpool had just come down from the Premier League. Um, Bloomfield Road looked pretty smart at the time because they they spruced it all up, you know, when they got into the Premier League, and um, Paul Ince was the first team manager, I think. Richie Kyle and Kieran Donnelly had just come in as as the um, academy manager and head of coaching, and they kind of sold that project to me. and And, and I went to Blackpool. I had one really good year at Blackpool. Really enjoyed it. That's really good players. I think that had helped the academy recruitment that season, being in the Premier League. Yeah, there was good kids in there. Um, but then obviously it's well publicised about what was going on at Blackpool at the time and. You know, things got quite difficult, you know, in and around the club, um, just because of the, the, the stuff that was going on off the pitch. And and then I got a call from, from Stuart Delaney at, at Preston North End, who, who offered me a, the, the position of the lead foundation phase coach at, at Preston. And um, I was pretty relieved and I was pretty happy to have that offer at the time. And... Yeah, and then six really good years at Preston. Um, I'm pre- I'm really proud of you know what I did at Preston in terms of the, the foundation phase, and you know some really good staff there, and yeah, it was good, and you know I was given quite a lot of freedom to implement things that, that I wanted to implement, and yeah, it was good. Um, so in total, that was probably ten years of ten years of academy football in terms of being a lead lead foundation phase coach at Preston and um and Blackpool and, and Accrington. Yeah. I just think I wanted something different to be honest. Um you know I've never hidden my the the fact that 
you know, I'm ambitious and, and I want to progress. And eventually, I, you know, I want to be an academy manager or an academy director. And, and I felt that having done the same role in England for 10 years, uh, I needed to do something different. And yeah, I, I looked at the, I looked at the project here in Buda. Um, yeah. And it was just something that, just something that I really wanted to do, to be honest, something, you know, something really different. So it's, it's obviously a, you know, a really interesting journey that you've had. You've had a range of experiences and it seems to be characterised by a series of sort of bold moves, if you like, you know, from, from deciding to go to America, from going into, you know, um, going into different clubs, taking opportunities, you know, when they come along. Um, how, how do you know when the right time to move is, Paul? Because, you know, sometimes coaches can find themselves reaching a bit of a glass ceiling. How, how do you judge when the right time is to, to make that step? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, really. I mean, for me, as I mentioned before, I, I am ambitious and I'm always trying to improve and I'm, I'm always trying to... Um, get better you know not just for me but but you know for my family and for for the players that I work with really and and I think every time I've been in a position or or I've been I've been doing something I think I, I've just had that feeling uh, inside me I think right I'm I'm now ready for for the for the for the next challenge um you know almost as though you know, it sounds like a bit of a, a cliche that, you know, when sometimes a manager says, "Oh, yeah, I've, I've taken, I've, I've taken the club as far as I can go." I, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 it's just, it's just a feeling that I've had, and, and I just think, yeah, do you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm ready for that that next challenge, and um, I'm ready to, you know, real try and put myself outside my comfort zone and and improve even more. I think it's all about me. It's, it's all about wanting to get better and yeah. yeah I think that's I think that's how I, I think that's how I would describe it okay well so you've got extensive experience um with coaching but, but especially in the foundation phase I'm curious about how, how do you identify players to recruit into that phase what what are you looking for what are the key what are the key things that you're looking for in those very young players I think for me, um, you know how how difficult it is for players to make it all the way through the academy system. How how difficult it, and, and and the numbers are so small of of you know boys who can go and become a professional footballer, and, yeah. and it, obviously the foundation phase is the furthest place away from that. Um, so it's really really difficult, and there's no way that anyone can predict that. Yeah, you know, at seven, eight years old, yeah, he's definitely going to go on and be a professional footballer. So, sure. for me, I think I think the most important thing and 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 the one thing that I will always look for, and this is kind of probably like my non-negotiable, is is just love for the game. Um, you know, I I want I want to see um, these players just just absolutely loving it, R- running in to come and train. 
Um, absolutely gutted at the end of training, you know, that it's over. Yeah. Um, you know, and just that real enthusiasm and, and love for the game. And and around that, um, it's it's lots of um, different things. I think for me, I think you have to have some kind of X factor. Um, so one thing where, that really makes you go, do you know what? He is really, really good at that. So, and that can be a range of things. Sometimes it can be something technical, you know, in yeah. terms of, you know, a, a technical element. It could be um, that they're a really good learner, um, that they take things on board really quickly. It could be that the their social skills, um, you know, it could be that they're really, you know, really good in in a group situation, and you know, and they really help others along and. Um, it, it could be something physical, you know. I know still there's there's discussion about oh yeah, so and so get got released because he's small or or he only got signed because he was big. But you know, th- there's no there's no getting away from the fact that actually a boy might be signed because you know he is physically you know good and you know Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo. Zlatan, these are kind of like perfect specimens, aren't they? And I'm not yeah. saying that every player has to look like that, but that might be a reason. Um, just yeah. like a, a, ta- a technical aspect might be a reason. Just like a game understanding, um, you know, might be a reason. So um, yeah. I think, so the love of the game um, plus that X factor, you know, and if you've got yeah. more than one X factor, then then even better. Okay, and then once you've actually recruited them and identified them and, you know, taking them into the club, what, what do you then do to, to maximise the potential? What, what, what's really important once you get them in? I think for me, the, the environment that you've, that you've got in the, in the foundation phase is, is so, so important. Um, yeah. You know, making sure that you've got good people around you who who enjoy working with the youngest players, um, who can kind of relate to the to the youngest players, and and who really understand them, and and you know really know what makes them tick. Um, you know, in in coaching and in football. Um, Quite often you'll find that, and, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but a lot of coaches want to go and coach at first team level or want to go and work, uh, coach at PDP or, or top end of the YDP. You know, that, that is a fact and a lot of people do want to do that and, and that's absolutely fine. But I do think, you know, when you're working with foundation players, I think I think it's important to have people who, you know, really want to do that and, and really want to understand you know how to coach appropriately at that, at that age group um, so yeah. I think I think that's that, that's important um, and, a, and a real big thing for me is um, gaining the the trust of of these young players I was actually having a conversation about this about this today I think okay. if 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 these young players really know that you've got got their back and and you have a genuine care for them and and you're gonna 
and you're going to really look after them and and you you know you've really got their best interests at heart if if they know that and once you've got that trust then after that it, it becomes really easy to work with them players um because you can stretch them and challenge them and you know as much as you want and they will react really well to that you know to that challenge and and to that stretching you know even if you're trying to um you know implement a little bit of discipline into them where you might have to you know you might have to have a bit of a stern word with with a player and you know if if they've done something that you know isn't right and you know it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it's not the right thing for them to be doing you know if they if they know that you really care for them yeah. that becomes easy them conversations become really easy um so i think that's the biggest thing i've probably learned working with them young players and and i think getting that getting that balance right where you know you can you can really support them and and look after them but also on the flip side you can also really really challenge them and you know and really make sure that um they're working to their maximum i think i think that's really important for me and what's your what's your approach to dealing with parents paul because obviously especially with the you know the very young players parents are very involved aren't they so how how do you approach that do you you know, do you, do you keep them close? Do you try and keep them at arm's length? What, what, what's your beliefs in that area? When I first, when I first got the the job at Accrington as the full time Lee Foundation Affairs coach, someone someone said to me, uh, "This is, I'll give you one piece of advice: keep the parents as far away as you possibly can." Um, that that was the advice, and you know. Right. It was a very experienced person who told me that, uh, someone who, who I respected and, you know, someone who, who I listened to. Uh-huh. Um, but in the 10 years that I've done this job, I'm actually, I've actually gone full circle now. Um, I just don't think you can work like that. I just don't think it works. I think... Um, parents are really informed now you know they know exactly what's going on um you know you can't hide things from them i don't think you should be hiding things from them i just think you you've got to be as absolutely transparent and honest with the parents as you possibly as you possibly can if you're not transparent and if you're not honest with them you know if 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 you're not if you're not keeping them informed the whole journey with a young player and then it comes to a point where you have to have a serious conversation i think you're opening yourself up to um some really really difficult really difficult conversations to be honest i suppose it really fits with what you were saying about the importance of trust because parents have such an influence over their children don't they that if the the parents don't trust you it's going to be really difficult to have that trust with the, the young person isn't it Massively, they are the most important per- people in in children's lives. Yeah, mum and dad and family, you know, they're they're with them the majority of the time. That you know, that's 
that's who they look up to, that's who they listen to. If if that relationship between coach and parents is a good one, the yeah. chances are that the relationship between player and coach is also going to be a good one. And I think um, coaches and parents can really, really help each other out. And, and, and I've found certainly over the years that the best relationships as a coach I've had with the players have been where it's been a, a really good, open, honest relationship with, with the parents as well. Interesting. So just moving on to your current uh, role, Paul, what, what's attracted you to to this club? What, tell us a bit about how they do things and, and, and what's made you want to make that move. Obviously, I am from from what I've done in in the past in terms of going out and working in America for a year and um, when I worked for my United Soccer Schools, I, you know, yeah. I did I did things all over the world. You know, I went out to America again. Uh, I was actually in Scandinavia for a period of time. Went over to Singapore a few times. So I do like traveling. You know, I do like. Um, get as much variety in my coaching as, as I possibly can. And it was probably something that was was always in the back of my mind, you know, that I wanted to try and do something in another country again, you know, having been to America uh, previously. I think that um, when the offer came in and the decision as to whether to take it or not, um, came up, I think Brexit had an impact on that. Obviously, it was at the end of last year and the kind of things had to be done reasonably quickly in terms of um, getting getting everything sorted before 2021 when Brexit was confirmed. Uh, so that had an impact. But, but actually, really, it was about... One, the, the the project at the club, um, and I can I can talk a little bit about that in a minute. But people, you know, people quite often say, uh, "Pick a boss, not a job." Um, so I, I'd read articles that that Greg, the academy director at, at Buda, had done before, and I obviously had to go through an interview process. Yeah. Um, and had lots of dealings um, with Greg over the phone and, and in terms of my interview. Um, and he was just someone that I really wanted to work for, to be honest. Um, and again, the uh, the club as well, um, just the journey that they're on, really. Um, for people that maybe don't know about Buda Glimt, um I think it was maybe only three or four seasons ago. They were in the they were in the second tier of Norwegian football. Um, obviously pr- promoted to um, the elite Syrian. Um, I think the first season that they were up, I think they finished uh, maybe third, and then and then last season um, won the league by you know, an absolute landslide. Um, they won every single home game. They only lost one game. Um, playing an unbelievable 
you know, attacking brand of football. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a really exciting place to be and um, doing it with young players and, and young players who, who have come through the academy. And they recruit later, don't they? Is that right? What's the... Can you just explain a bit, a bit about that? Yeah, so that was obviously another um, a, another thing that attracted me to, to this position. So in Norway, the only sign for the academy in the under-13 season. So before, before the under-13s, um, it's, it's collaboration with with local clubs in, in, in the area. Um, so in terms of the, the geography of where Buda is, um, there is in, in Nordland, the county of Nordland, there's, there's only Buda Glimpse who are, who are a, a top flight club. Um, so they can pretty much recruit from, from the whole of the, of the county. Um, and, and my role is, is going to be more um, working out which players that, that we recruit uh, at the under-12 season, really. Um, but obviously doing work with them from, from, from sixes right up to 12s. And that involves kind of coach education with the, with the local clubs. Um, it involves working with the coaches in, in our own grassroots section, so, Buda Glimpse also has a as a grassroots section of the club. Wow. Um, it's it's scouting and, and recruiting. Um, it's and will you go and work with players in the clubs as well? Yeah. So we will. We also um, put on additional sessions as well. So we we'll run it. We run um, sessions for for children in the in the city. Uh, to come and attend, so there's two two sessions a week uh, that that I will run for any player at tens, elevens, and twelves. Anyone in the city is free to to come onto these sessions. And they're managed by me and run with the academy coaches from from Glimt. So yeah. we have thirteen a group of thirteens to fifteens coaches and a group of seventeens to nineteens coaches. So on a Monday, the 17s to 19s coaches come with me and deliver these sessions to the to the uh, U10s, 11s, and 12s. And on a Tuesday, the the 13s to 15s academy coaches will come and deliver the sessions with me. So you know, in Norway, that is unheard of for for actually the the full time academy coaches to be coming and delivering on on these kind of sessions. Mm. Um, we we also run um, select sessions on a on a Friday for the for the tens and the elevens groups. So the ones that are you know closest to the to yeah. the academy. Um, so we'll choose players from within the city who who can come in and you know from all different clubs. Um, you know and they'll come and, and train with us once a week. Um, and, and then I will go out and, and work with, with players in the clubs and, and well, it'd be more working with the coaches to, to try and help them really, yeah. um, you know, in terms of helping grassroots coaches just to get the, the level of, of grassroots football up really and, and that to be at a high standard. And I think it's something that 
really appeals to me. I, I kind of mm. like that structure, if you like, because it it it, it helps the whole pyramid. Really, it's yeah. not just it's not just sorting your own team out. You know, in terms of how things are structured in 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 the UK, it's actually strengthening. You know, the whole of football in, in the area, really. So, yeah, it's, it's a model that. I've seen before. I actually did a study visit to AZ Altmar a few years ago. They did exactly the same thing, even uh-huh. though, you know, even though they're surrounded by Ajax and PSV and Feyenoord, AZ only start under 12s, under 13s. Um, you know, when, when clubs around them are recruiting at eight, AZ said, no, this is our model and this is what we're going to do. And, 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 they'll see if the players are ready at, at 12, 13 to, to come in. Fascinating. So they're, they're really looking for the, the talent that they've missed or the, the talent that's come later, aren't they? I think so, yeah. And, and, and you know, I think you can probably make a, a better judgment at 12 and 13 um, rather than ca- casting the net really wide. You know, maybe maybe that judgment, you know, is... A, is a little bit more informed at the age of 12, 13. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, and it's, I've always tried to maybe look into the future in terms of, you know, what next. And like I said before, eventually I do want to be an academy director, academy manager. Um, you know, I probably will want to come home to the UK eventually. And, and, you know, there's obviously lots of discussions about, you know, restructuring academies and, you know, Bayern Munich have have scrapped their nines and tens. Um, There's clubs in Spain that that only start at um, 12 and there's there's other clubs in Germany that that also only only start at 12. And maybe in the future, that's something that that might change in England. Um, You know, so I just kind of wanted to you know, have that string to my ball, really. And, yeah. you know, and could this work in England? Um, I don't know. And But, you know, this is why I want, one of the reasons why I wanted to come out and, and inform myself, see what the model looks like. Um, you know, maybe looking into the future and seeing if it's something that could be imp- implemented, you know, Brilliant. back so, in the UK. So Sounds, sounds like you're going to get a real insight into it. Um, it'd be interesting to, to find out more about it really um, just quickly to finish then Paul three quick five questions um, if you can answer these in sort of a, a sentence really what what makes a great coach in your opinion somebody who can really really connect to the learner and, and really get the best out of that person okay great um, what would your top tip for developing young players be? Gain their trust. Okay, great. And finally, what's the biggest mistake you've made in youth development? Reading session plans from books and the internet and thinking <laughs> that's coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, listen, Paul, it's been really good, uh, really interesting, uh, really good to chat to you and catch up. Um, 
thanks a lot for your time. I could keep on talking to you for hours, but I am trying to keep this as a short podcast, so we'll, we'll leave it there. But um, I think there's, there's more stuff to pick up on a, another occasion. So thanks a lot for your time, and hopefully I'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, John. Really enjoyed it. Speak to you soon. Thanks, Paul. See you later. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Curious Coaches Club. To follow us, please search Curious Coaches Club on Instagram or Twitter. If you've enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review. We will be back with another episode next week.